0: Let's pray together and ask God to meet us in the word. Just reading this morning, Father, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so we pray now that you would pour out that work of your Holy Spirit to open our minds to see and trust the truth as revealed of Jesus in the word of God. And do a mighty work, Lord. Break down walls, break down barriers, things that are in the way. We plead with you to pour out a deep work of your spirit so that we would see Jesus Christ more clearly because of his time now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, one of, uh, one of the age-old questions that humanity has struggled with and wondered about over really centuries, millennia, is this It's the question of, if there is a God, how could we know, and how could we figure out what He's like? How could we know about God? How could we know who He is, why we're here, what he's up to? And some people believe that they can answer that question by, by their own thinking. It's a system called rationalism, generally speaking. and if, if they would just ask lots of questions and think carefully about who God would be, they think they can come up with, with who God is by thinking. Other people say no, uh, that doesn't work. What we need to do is we'll come figure out who God is by experiencing, kind of by emptying our minds and trying to have a direct encounter with God, then we'll know, know who God is. That's called mysticism, rationalism, thinking, mysticism, uh, experiencing. The problem, though, is that those approaches have only brought us contradictory opinions and conflicting ideas about who God is and what he's up to. So, does that mean then that we can't know anything for sure about God? Does that mean that we can't know who God is clearly and what he's up to? Does that mean we can't learn about God? And the answer to that is no. And the reason is because of what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was born. Christmas season. This is what we're talking about here. Because 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, that was God being born as a baby that was the god of the universe becoming a man so that we could see him with our own eyes and understand his listen to his teaching see him hear him no god's here god's real this is what god's like so we understand how we're supposed to respond now to see that that's the case to see that that's what christmas is all about Turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to start there. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to bring one to you. John 1 is on page 886 in the Bibles we're passing out. I'm going to bring our our manger up a little closer. I always like to have have this visual aids. It's so helpful. Okay, so John, chapter 1. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about John's Gospel. Who wrote this? Well, John wrote it. Okay, that's why it's called John's Gospel. Who was John? He was a fisherman who became a follower of Jesus, one of the 12 apostles, and he wrote this Gospel to give us his eyewitness account about who Jesus is, what Jesus was up to. And look at what he says about the meaning of Jesus' birth in John chapter 1, verse 14. He says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the meaning of Jesus' birth. Now, to figure out what's going on here, we've got to be clear on the Word. Who is The Word. John says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So who exactly is the Word? And to see who the Word is, let's go back to verse 1 of this chapter. Read verses 1 through 13 because John has made it clear to us in those verses who the Word is. Okay, start with verse 1. Powerful verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God... And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Okay, so here's what we've learned so far. The Word is a personal being. He he is himself fully God. The Word is fully God. And the Word was with God from the very beginning. Verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So the the entire universe was created by the word, this personal being who is God and from the very beginning was with God. Verse 4. In him, the word, was life. And the life was the light of men, the light of the life that's in the word, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so the life that we were created to enjoy, what, what makes, you say to somebody, get a life. Okay, the life that, that we are here to enjoy, to experience, is found only in knowing the word. Okay? And in knowing him, we have the light of life. So we're transferred out of darkness, and it's like we move into light when we have the life that he brings to us. Keep reading in verse 6. This is where John talks about John the Baptist showing up. Different John. So John, who wrote this gospel, talks about John the Baptist. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John the Baptist, was not the light But he came to bear witness about the light. Okay, now it's becoming more clear who the word is. Because who did John the Baptist bear witness to in the Gospels? He bore witness of Jesus, right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, John says. Talking about Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease. Talking about Jesus. Okay, I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Talking about Jesus. So John the Baptist came bearing witness of Jesus, which means that the word is Jesus. Keep reading in verse 9. The true light, talking about the word, Jesus, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He, the word, the true light, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. That's probably a reference to the nation of Israel. And his own people did not receive him. But... To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, this is many of you, he gave the right to become children of God. That's why he came. Who were born not of blood that is not natural biological birth nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man that is not by a couple's decision to have a baby but they were born supernaturally after their physical birth born by God through trusting Jesus and became children of God. Okay, so who is the word? Verses 1 through 13. The word is Jesus. Jesus was with God from the beginning. Jesus was God from the beginning. The word is Jesus. Now, Think about what this means. This is huge, okay? Because he is God, Jesus Christ has always been from eternity past. Okay? Jesus because he was God had infinite power, which is how he could create everything from nothing. Speak a word, universe exists. That's Jesus. Jesus had sovereign authority over everything, complete Sovereign authority over everything. The Word is Jesus, who was fully God from the very beginning. So we've got to start here. Now, what did the Word do? Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Stop there. The word Jesus, who was fully God from the very beginning, became flesh. Okay, Not just that he took on flesh as if God like, put on a human costume, but he became flesh. He became a man. He was born as a baby. The word became flesh, took on flesh and blood, took on humanity, became an actual flesh and blood man now think about this for for jesus who was god to become a a man just like you just like me he had to lay aside his powers and privileges that he had as god right he had to lay aside the exercise of his infinite power and his sovereignty he had to lay aside the powers and privileges that were his as god he never stopped being god but to really be a man like, like us, he had to lay aside the exercise of his powers and privileges that he had as being God. And so he became flesh. He was born as a baby so he could dwell among us. Okay? The Word became flesh and he dwelt among us. God in Jesus became flesh and lived among us. Now remember the, the Alanis Morissette song, what if God was one of us? Okay, God was one of us. God was one of us here on the earth walking here. That's what the Word did. Just Again, just let this sink in. Are you, saying, are you, you might be thinking, are you saying that God actually became a man and lived here? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. The Word was with God from the beginning. The Word was God from the beginning. From the beginning. So Jesus, the Word, had been, had always existed with no beginning from eternity past, infinite in power, equal to God the Father in every way, sovereign authority over everything. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? See it. Feel it. Be blown away by it. That's what the Word did. Now, why is that so important? There's lots of reasons. We're looking at four of them during this Christmas season. Okay, this is week number two. But look at the one reason John mentions in verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So because Jesus was born as a baby, because he became flesh and dwelt among us, we have seen his glory. You know, what is glory? It's a word we use, but what, what does that really mean? And what glory is, is it's the shining forth of something's beauty, radiance, majesty. Glory is, is, is like what you see when you, when you see something and say, whoa. Okay, the reason you said whoa was because you just saw radiance, beauty, majesty shining forth. Like Friday morning, I was driving back from meeting with Jason Bell and David Nies, and I saw the sun rising up over the foothills. Was it the east? Anyway, which, wherever it was, okay. And I just it was just it was it was purple and pink and orange and the clouds were there and it was just beautiful. I was, whoa. There was glory there. That's what glory is. Glory is the shining forth of something's beauty and radiance and majesty. And so because the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we saw his glory. We saw the shining forth of radiance and majesty, but not just any radiance and majesty, not just any glory. It's the shining forth of the beauty and majesty, the glory of the only son from the Father. This is God's glory. God's glory was shining forth from Jesus. The radiance of God's majesty, the radiance of his beauty, the radiance of his splendor shining forth in the person of Jesus Christ. But see, that's why John calls Jesus the word. It's because in Jesus, God has spoken to us, has communicated to us who he is by coming so we could see Feel, listen, understand clearly, right before us, Jesus Christ there. God came to earth in the person of Jesus so we could know for sure that there is a God and what he's like. So we're not left to just trying to think, what would God be like if there's a God there? We're not left to just trying to experience, try to have some experience and meet God Because those things just leave us with, with contradictory opinions and confusion. But see, because God loves us so much, he came in a crystal clear, indisputably clear way so that we could see, know, understand. He's spoken by coming to earth in the person of Jesus. And what is Jesus like? What is God like? What do we see when we see this glory? He's glorious with the glory, John says, it's full of grace and truth. The glory we see shining from Jesus is full of grace. What is grace? Grace is God's passion, God's love of doing breathtakingly good things for completely undeserving people. Okay? Isn't that good news? Full of grace, okay, because all of us, truth be known, are undeserving, and God's passion is to do breathtaking, over-the-top, astonishing good for completely undeserving people. That's grace. And the glory that shines from Jesus is full of grace, and it's full of truth, because God is real. God is there. God is objective reality. God is not just, well, we we have to find something to believe in to help us cope, so this is working for me now. No, God is real and there whether anybody believes in him or not. This is truth. This is what it's all about. Full of grace, full of truth. So as Jesus walked the face of the earth, what shone forth from him was the glory of God. And as people saw him, They said, that's glory. That glory is full of grace. That glory is full of truth. God's here. Now, let me just give you a couple of examples. So maybe maybe you can see his glory, see God's glory in in some of these stories about Jesus. One afternoon, a large crowd of people, numbering well over 5,000 or just 5,000 men, they had traveled a long ways to a remote place because they wanted to hear Jesus teach traveled a long ways, very remote place. They found him, and they were listening to his teaching and enjoying his teaching, okay? Well, as the hours went on, um, stomachs started grumbling. People started getting hungry. And of course, Jesus knew that they were far away from, from other you know, towns and cities. This is a large crowd of people, six, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand, 9,000, maybe 10,000 people, we don't know, including women and children. And so see Jesus here. See how he cares about the people. See his care for them. See his love for them. See his compassion for them. He didn't say, seminar's over. See you back tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, you know, cha-ching, or whatever. He, that's not what he did. He cared about them. So see his care. And then see him as he receives a gift from a boy there who had five loaves and two fish. You know the story, Right? And so Jesus receives the gift of five little loaves and two fish and then see God's glorious power as Jesus takes those five loaves and two fish and he multiplies them and he multiplies them and he multiplies them. Okay? Hundreds of rolls, hundreds of fish, thousands of rolls, thousands of fish. The disciples are taking this food out to the people. Everybody ate enough and there were basketfuls left over. So see the glory of God. There's God in his grace, in his power, in his love, in his care, in his truth. There's God's glory right before our eyes. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glories of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Second illustration. This is one of my favorite ones. It's heartbreaking at the beginning. Jesus comes upon a man who is terribly oppressed by demons. If you could imagine how tormented and oppressed somebody would be to have... He, he lived out in the, in, in the tombs. He ran around naked, screaming and cutting himself. So if you can just imagine the emotional torment and oppression and pain and difficulty. These demons are oppressing him So that's how he's living, as he is so oppressed, so tormented, so tortured by these demons. And Jesus meets this man. So see the glory of God in the face of Christ as he cares about this man, as he loves this man, as he understands what's happening with this man. Do you see, see Jesus' love, see his care? And then look at Jesus as then he commands the demons, leave him! And the demons leave him. The oppression lifts. And the torment and the torture is gone. And he is absolutely transformed. Restored to his right mind. So see the glory of God in the face of Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace. Full of truth. There it is. God before us in the flesh. Showing us his glory. Third example, Jesus knew that we'd all sinned against God and deserved to be punished forever by God. And what did Jesus do? Look at his heart. He looked down from heaven and he decided to become a man, humbled himself that far from God to man. And then as a man, he humbled himself even further to be willing to go to the cross so here's Jesus, just see his face, see his, his love for people, his compassion for us, his care for us, that he would be willing to come knowing full well that it would lead to the cross. And so see Jesus walking to Jerusalem knowing that this is his final days and, and see the love that he has for us in his face, the love for God's glory, the care and the compassion for us, the longing for us to be forgiven and then see Jesus allowing himself to be arrested Allowing himself to be bound, allowing himself to be beaten, allowing himself to be scourged. At any moment, like I said last week, he could have called for a legion of angels and he would have been delivered. He allowed allowed himself instead to be nailed to the cross. And there he suffered in our place, being punished in our place for our sin. God was on the cross displaying to us his love for us. No one needs to stay unforgiven. No one needs to stay under the guilt of sin. No one needs to face God's punishment. Turn, trust Him. That's why He came. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten, only Son of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. One last example Jesus died, was buried Friday night, all day Saturday in the tomb. And then Sunday morning, God's power was poured out. Earthquake-like stone rolled away, and Jesus emerges from the tomb. And if you could just imagine seeing Jesus and the expression on his face, having paid for sin. It is finished, he said on the cross. Having broken the power of Satan, having set us free from sin's power, having conquered the curse of death, And then Jesus emerges from the tomb, conqueror, victor, savior, Lord. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glories of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's why Jesus came. That's why Christmas is so crucial. That's why it is so crucial beautiful and loving of God, that he would come and communicate himself to us in that crystal clear of a way. Now, that does raise a question, though. And that is this. If Jesus so clearly showed us God's glory, why didn't everyone welcome him? Why didn't everyone welcome him? Everyone did not welcome him. We saw that in verses 10 and 11. He, speaking of the word, the true light, Jesus... He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. It's probably a reference to the nation of Israel and his own people did not receive him. Why not? Why? The answer is, we read this in John chapter 3, it's because of our sin. Okay? In our sinfulness, we want to have control of our lives. We want to call the shots. We want to be in charge. We want to get the credit. That's, that's what sin is. Okay, And so we didn't want to bend the knee before our God. We didn't want to acknowledge who He was. We didn't want to see His glory And welcome him. Our sin blinded us to the glory of Jesus. Remember before you were trusting Jesus? How Jesus was just like, well, whatever? Remember that? Then remember the change when you saw his glory and trusted him? So ask yourself this question Do you see the glory of Jesus? Do you see his glory? Do you love His glory? Have you been so captured by His glory that what satisfies you the most is beholding His glory, and what you want to live for is the display of His glory? Is that is that is that what's happening in your life? I want to mention Ronnie Smith again because that's what had happened to Ronnie Smith, the man who was who was killed in in Libya, thirty three years old. That's why he went. He'd been so captured by the glory of Jesus Christ. He'd so seen the glory of Jesus Christ that he wanted to live his life to display the glory of Jesus Christ, which meant taking the gospel in his case, God called him to go to the Libyan people so that they could come into the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. God's glorified through that. The Libyan people are blessed through that. He's fulfilling his purpose through that. That's what had happened to to him. So have you seen Jesus glory? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, some of you have not seen His glory, okay? But here's the good news. Even here, God is full of grace and truth, because if you will simply turn to Jesus Christ and say, Help! Help me! Help me! change my heart, forgive me, break the power of sin, show me your glory. He totally will do that. No one's heart is too hard. No one's heart is too blind. No one's heart is too sinful. Anyone's heart can be changed if we will just simply turn to Jesus and say, help me. And he will totally do that. He will forgive you of your sins. He will change your heart. You will see his glory. You'll be satisfied in his glory. You'll be so transformed. You want nothing more than to live for his glory. That's what he does for people. So he's done for many, many, many of us in this room. That's what happens when you're first saved. But it's not just when we're first saved that we need that that experience to happen because sin is constantly there in me, it's in you, right? Saved people, blinding us to the glory of Jesus, distracting us from the glory of Jesus. We're loving this more than the glory of Jesus. We're worried about this, all these different things that are going on. So throughout our Christian life, sin keeps trying to blind us to Jesus' glory, and so throughout our Christian lives, we need to come before the Lord Jesus and say, Help, right? We've got to do it too. Help me. I'm blind again. I'm not seeing, I'm not feeling, I'm not loving help me change me oh listen too many christians don't understand that that's what's going on they just think well i'm just not a very good christian i've got to try a little harder and got to try a little harder no 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 no. help help and he will come and help you now let me tell you the story of a man who got help this is samuel pierce i read this when i was waiting for the dentist i think it was a week ago tuesday great thing to read before going into the dentist Uh, Samuel Pierce was a pastor in England in the 1800s. And he took a day uh, to fast and pray because he was stirred about people in India who had no access to the the gospel. He was praying, are you calling me to go? Are you calling me to go? I I want your will. I'm here a pastor. Are you calling me to go? And I want to tell you what happened. Now, I'm not sharing you this story because every Christian will experience the exact same thing he did. We won't. God works in lots of different ways. So don't think it's all got to be exactly like what Samuel Pierce experienced. But I want to to tell you his story, which is very powerful to to whet your appetite for what God can do. How long has it been since you've seen and felt and tasted the glory of God powerfully in your heart? Well, let this stir you. So here's what happened. Like I said, he set aside this day to pray and fast and seek the Lord about whether he should go to India. And he started off... uh, praying and asking for the work of the Holy Spirit. Help me. I need your help today. I, want, I need to meet you today. Pour out your spirit, Father, upon me today through Jesus. So he prayed. And then he looked at promises where God promises that when we seek him, we will find him. So he read over promises like that in God's word. Oh, these are good. Okay. So God, you're going to meet me. I'm going to seek you. Then he he opened up the Bible and he read starting in Second Corinthians chapter 1, just reading, praying got through chapter 2, reading, praying. So he's he's seeking the Lord. He wants to meet God. Chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. And when he got to the end of the chapter 5, the way he wrote it in his journal was he his heart was full of dullness. <laughs> dullness. Anybody been there? When you're reading the scriptures, his heart was full of dullness at that point in time. Okay? And he was just about to pack it in for the day when God did something. Here's how he described it. We can, you have it up, we can put it up there. Next one. Here we go. Got it. Okay, there. Is, oh, good. You can see it. Okay, here's what he says I was about to finish by confessing the hardness of my heart when suddenly it pleased God to smite the rock with the rod of his spirit, and immediately the waters began to flow. Now, this is a reference to what happened in the Old Testament when Moses literally hit the rock and miraculously water came out for the people of Israel. So he's using that as a, as, a, as an illusion. I was about to finish by confessing the hardness of my heart when suddenly it pleased God to smite the rock with the rod of his spirit and immediately the waters began to flow. Oh, what a heavenly, glorious, melting power was it. Oh, what a view of the love of a crucified Redeemer did I enjoy. The attractions of His cross, how powerful. If ever in my life I knew anything of the influence of the Holy Spirit, I did at this time. I was swallowed up in God. Hunger, fullness, cold heat, friends and enemies, all seemed nothing before God. I was in a new world. All was delightful, for Christ was all and in all. That's what God can do. That's the kind of thing that God can do. And I'm not saying again, let me be really clear, it's not that everybody will have this exact same experience, but when we say to Jesus Christ, help, help, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing you, I'm not feeling anything towards you, help me. And we open up God's word and we pray. Maybe pull some brothers together, some sisters. Pray with me. I'm I'm just too preoccupied with money right now or with this temptation right now or just with with other stuff right now. Help me. God will help you. He will help you. Every time, he will help you. And we will see his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Now, what questions does this stir up in your mind? John one fourteen. This is why Christmas is such a powerful, beautiful, good news time. We're not left to just trying to think about God to figure him out. We're not left to just trying to experience God and what does that mean? But God came so we could see him and know him. What questions? Paul. Say to someone that says that, "Okay, we're blinded by sin to see the glory of God." Say, "Well, I didn't have a choice how I was born. I was born sinful. What if God would have born if I would have been born with an ability to see God without being born into, as a sinful creature?" I would just say simply that that's a good question, really good question. What the scriptures teach, and you know this, uh, is that sin is a, ch- is a choice we make. Right? It's nature and choice. That the only reason, I mean, I, I know from my own heart, the only reason that I get blind to Jesus is because I've, I'm looking to something else to satisfy me. I'm looking to something else to thrill me. And then there's blindness. Why am I blind? Because I'm looking somewhere else. And anybody, we can tell anybody, anybody here, turn to Jesus Christ, ask him to help you. Ask him to help you. He will. He will totally set you free. So that, that's what the scriptures say. They say, repent, trust in Jesus, turn to him, ask him to help you. He will. If you want to turn to him to help you, he will help you. Turn to him. Oh, I, I, I knew, I thought you probably would, but I'm preaching to the choir here. Okay, what else? Questions. This is so important. Yes, Kathy. Yes. Yes. That's um, just another way of saying, let me find the page here, in verse uh, 3, all things were made through him. Yeah, right. And I think verse 10 is explained by verse 3. It's the same thing as all things were made through him. In other words, he made everything. He made the world. He created everything. He created the universe. Does that, am I answering that question right? Okay. Okay. So verse 10 is saying the same thing as verse 3. Through Jesus, everything was created. He created everything that there is. So he created the world, and yet the world did not know him. Am I answering your question? Okay, what else? It's a good one. More. Going, going. Okay, so let's do this. First of all, understand what has happened in Christmas. Let this just astonish you. 2,000 years ago, God came to earth in the person of Jesus. God was born as a baby. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So we could see something. So we could see. So we could see Him, His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. So this Christmas season, here's my appeal to you. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ right now today, say, help, help me. Let us pray for you. He will help you. He'll forgive you. All your sins forgiven. He'll change your heart. He'll open your eyes. And you will know him. You'll be filled with him. And you'll want to live for his glory. And then the rest of us who already have experienced that, we've got to keep fighting. We've got to keep coming before him and saying, help. Help. Don't settle for not seeing. Don't settle for not feeling. Don't settle for that. You don't need to. Seek Him. Help me. Open the Word. Pray, brothers and sisters around you, He will meet you again and again and again and again. And then you will see His glory. You'll be satisfied deeply with His glory. And you will want to live for His glory. So let's see Him, let's be satisfied in Him, and let's live for His glory this Christmas season especially. Okay, let's stand together. Let's pray over this. Lord, I pray for Your power to be poured out upon us. We're in different places. Some have already put their trust in You and have seen, and others have not. Lord, would you work in all of our hearts right now by your power? I pray that no one would think that their hearts are too hard or distant or unspiritual to be helped by you. Every heart here will be touched by you if we'll turn to you. So Lord, please, I pray that you'd save people right now here. I pray, Lord, for those who have already put their trust in you and have seen and have loved but whose hearts have grown distant who are not seeing not feeling not not living for your glory with joy and abandon and God I pray that this Christmas season in a new way they could come and kneel at the manger and see and love and trust and then live for your glory with all their might so Lord, we love you. Thank you for coming to earth in the person of Jesus Christ so we could see and know who you are. Thank you for this time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.